0: Well, my phone rings and I get the word like, "Hey, get down here, Dustin Tokarski's in the police station." I'm like, "What? Oh, we're gonna have the goaltenders fight. When was the last time you saw this? Holy shit! Well, now we're like scrambling. I'm telling the trainers, you gotta go run and tell Tokarski he's gotta get dressed.
1: Unbelievable."
2: Oh,
0: Believe it. I knew there wasn't a lot of time. I didn't realize there was only five seconds.
1: I just jumped out into the crowd and started running towards them. So they got the puck. All of a sudden, I got rolled over. Here's Kretzky. At the line. Oh, he hit. Kretzky really bounded by Macquarie, and he is hurt. It was his last shift in the NHL. <laughs> never played it again. Don't you ever let that bird stand in your crease. If he's there, you run him the f- over.
2: He was oh. a beauty. I'm James Duffy, and this is Beauties, hockey's greatest untold stories, the podcast based on the book of the same name, which is now available. We aren't going to share all of the book's stories on this pod, just a few. Today, a bonus. A pair of tales from two key members of the 2020 Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, Captain Steven Stamkos, and Coach John Cooper. First, the carjack comeback.
3: In another
1: fight... The only people not fighting are the goaltenders
2: now. Coach John Cooper feels like he's in a Slapshot sequel. He's watching his minor league team in a full-scale brawl. This after getting to the game late, because he spent the day at the police station with his goalie. Oh, and it's about to get way crazier. Unbelievable. Things had been going so well for Cooper. A rising star in the coaching world, he had won back-to-back championships with the St. Louis Bandits of the North American Hockey League, moved to Green Bay and the United States Hockey League, winning another title there, and then guided the Norfolk Admirals, Tampa Bay's AHL farm team, to the 2012 Calder Cup Championship. Three leagues, four rings in six years. Shortly after sobering up from the Admirals' celebration, Cooper is on the move again.
0: We just wanted to call it a cup in Norfolk. We're like toast to the town. And then, like, two days after the parade, we announced we're moving to Syracuse. And it's like, oh my God, we're going from Virginia Beach to Syracuse.
2: Cooper is still getting used to the new town four months later as his Syracuse Crunch, one of hockey's great team names, prepare to leave for a big early season road game in Binghamton, or Bingo, as they call it in the minors. Both rosters are full of soon to be NHLers. Cooper's defending champs have names like Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, Richard Panik, Vladislav Nemestikov, and Brett Conley. Binghamton, Ottawa's farm team, has Mark Stone, Mika Zabanajad, Jacob Silverberg, Mike Hoffman, Mark Borowiecki, and goalie Robin Leonard.
0: So it's like an hour drive from Syracuse to Binghamton. So in the American League, we just leave the day of the game
2: and and drive over there. So I think our bus was leaving at two o'clock. The Crunch hold a quick morning skate then Cooper heads home to grab some rest before leaving for bingo. It's a big game. The NHL is still in a lockout and Lightning coach Guy Boucher has come down to watch the team. Cooper is getting dressed and ready to leave for the bus.
0: Well, my phone rings at like one o'clock. Like I'm about to jump my car head down and stuff like that.
2: It's the GM, Jim Sarosi, who says, you need to get down here right away. Dustin Tokarski is in the police station. I'm like, what? Cooper races over. His starting goalie is indeed there, but not arrested, just rattled.
0: He has been carjacked at night point.
2: The 23-year-old former Canadian world junior hero they call Ticker lives in a downtown apartment complex with a gated garage. The bad guy sneaks in and waits.
0: Well, apparently the perpetrator had snuck in there, waited, and went to cars- got in his car to go to the ring. He jumped at him with a knife, and, you know, obviously Ticker was like, holy shit. So Ticker jumped out the other side of his car and ran. And he goes, unfortunately, in that moment of like, holy shit, I forgot, I left the keys in the car.
2: The guy steals the car, smashes through the gate of the complex, and is gone. Cooper comforts his shaken goalie at the police station while trying to figure out how they're going to make the team bus in five minutes. They decide Guy Boucher will go to bingo with the team. Cooper and Tokarski will find another ride when they finish at the police station.
0: Well, turns out they've kind of found the guy, but there's a, a chase going on. <laughs> and we're like, hey, can we just do the police uh, report and we're out of here? They're like, well, listen, if we catch this guy and Tokarski can ID him, uh, it is close enough to the scene of the crime that Takarski won't have to come back. This will be a positive ID in court.
2: So Cooper and Takarski decide to wait it out. Well, they chase this guy all over Syracuse.
1: They're in Alley
0: behind Library.
2: And eventually gets on the highway, and they put the tire strips down to stop him.
0: Tarkarski's like, oh my God, this is my car. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have to strip. Like, the tire strips are going down, buddy. I'm like, shit, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get an accident.
2: Sure enough, it works. So now they have to drive Ticker 30 minutes out of town to ID the guy.
0: I'm looking at the watch. I'm like, okay, go, Ticker. I'll wait the whole deal. So they drive Tikarski out there positive ID the guy Takarsky, comes back
2: Cooper is checking his watch every 30 seconds finally they get back now it's 4.30 and the cops say we just have to do the police report Cooper is dying it's like the old Dragnet show the guy typing out the report using his index finger tap 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 it's taking an eternity plus Dustin Takarsky is a popular player with the local team so he's drawing a crowd pictures are being taken
0: Next thing you know, it's 6 o'clock. And I'm like, guys, this is, like, we can't go anymore. Just make up the rest if you have to, but we've got to go. So we finish it off. General said, GM comes and picks us up, and we take off for Binghamton.
2: 55 minutes till game time, a 60-minute drive to Bingo.
0: So we, we race to the game. We get there, the guy misses the exit. So we're like, holy shit, just stop the car, jump out. And Tkarski and I are sprinting. So I've been putting my, my suit on, like, half ass in the car, we get there, the anthem's going on. It's like, ticker. obviously you're not playing tonight. Just sit in the locker room, don't even get dressed.
2: So Cooper sprints out onto the ice. In Binghamton, you have to walk across the ice to get to the bench. So
0: I have to walk on the ice during the anthem, and I put, I put my tie on uh, while the anthem is going on on the bench.
2: Cooper can feel his team collectively wondering, what the hell happened? Is our goalie all right? He tries to assure them everything is okay, but it's not the ideal bench buzz as the puck drops.
1: Backhander scores! for a big drive, score! Takeaway, down low, beat the middle, score! One shot one in, wow! It's the fifth goal for Binghamton. Next thing
0: you know, we are down five nothing. nothing,
2: nothing. Riku Hellenius is in goal for the crunch and Robin Leonard for bingo.
0: Robin Leonard looks like a lacro- uh, box lacrosse goalie in the net. Like you just, there's all pads, you can't see anything. And our guy looks like the opposite. He looks like a field lacrosse goalie.
2: <laughs> and he isn't getting any help. It's just a bad night for Syracuse.
0: We had one of those teams, though, we, like, if we were the kind of attitude, if we couldn't beat up the scoreboard, we'd beat up. And that's kind of our mentality was, I remember halfway through the game, Jared Nightingale, Leonard covers up the puck, and Nightingale goes in
1: completely late. Save, rebound, covered up, the whistle blows. There's a big pile now in the crease.
2: And it's a full-scale line brawl.
1: Oh, more punches being thrown here. The goaltender is now dropping the glove. And a big right from the Leonard, just sucker punch, panic in the back of the head.
2: Robin Leonard at the time is a very tough guy with a temper who is willing to go with anyone.
0: Leonard... Dropped the helmet and gloves. Well, Rico Helenius from the other side of things, he just wanted out of the net, because it was 5-9, it was and so, I think he thought, I'm gonna lose this fight, but I don't care, I get to get out of this game, so he goes racing down the ice. Oh,
1: and here comes Helenius. Oh, we're gonna have the goaltenders fight. When was the last time you saw this? Leonard and Alenius have dropped the gloves, all the paraphernalia is off. A big right from Alenius on the side of the head of Leonard. They're tied up. Leonard now gets a couple. Helenius lands the right. Helenius is down. The linesmen now finally come in.
2: Not the most rational plan, but it works. When the brawl ends, Alenius and Leonard are both ejected.
1: Well, Leonard will be escorted to his locker
0: room.
2: Cooper has no goalie.
0: So now we're like, holy shit, we told Tkarski he didn't have to dress, so now we're like scrambling and telling the trainers, you got to go run and tell Tkarski he's got to get dressed.
2: This poor guy gets carjacked at knife point, his car gets destroyed in the police chase, he has to ID the carjacker, sprint to the game, and now they have to stick him in the middle of a 5-0 blowout brawl fest. Hugh, the great carjack comeback.
1: Now, a shot scores. Corey Connicker.
2: Corey Connicker scores. 5 1.
1: Up top, Barbario scores.
2: Mark Barbario, 5 2.
1: Connolly, a try. He scores.
2: Brett Connolly, 5 3.
1: Banging away in front, they score.
2: Andre Palat, 5 4.
1: Wyman moves down low. In front, score. Tie game.
2: JT Weinman, 5 5. And three minutes and 44 seconds into overtime...
1: Panic was faced right wing, feeds across, they score! Syracuse wins!
2: Richard Panic. The Crunch win, 6-5.
1: Wins it for Syracuse, 6-5. Unbelievable! Get ready for the comeback, comeback, comeback!
2: Just unreal, Cooper says with a laugh. I've coached in a lot of different leagues and seen a lot of crazy things but nothing quite like that day. Oh, ticker ends up on the TSN ticker a few months later, traded to the Montreal Canadiens. That very same season, Tampa fires Guy Boucher and names Cooper as his replacement. The carjacker me. is also on the move to jail after pleading guilty. Tokarski's stats line for that fateful day will never be matched. 34 minutes and 14 seconds played, 14 shots... 14 saves, one carjacking at knife point, gets the W, and player of the game honors. Now, the great Stamkos car heist. Stamkos behind Boston
1: and scores! Stamkos in front, shoots, he scores! Stamkos shoots, he scores! And
3: Long
2: before Stephen Stamkos becomes one of the best scorers of his generation, one coach tries to turn him into a checker. Actually, he's just a fill-in coach. The real guy couldn't make it that day. So this glorified temp decides the most talented kid on the team needs to play the shutdown role. You go out and shadow that guy, and
3: don't let him get away from you, the coach tells Stamkos. Just follow him around, right? Because Stephen could skate and, you know, kind of keep up with him, although he was, like, half the size. And the kid listens.
2: He shadows the other team's superstar all over the ice. But after two periods, Stamkos is fed up and gives the coach an earful. Why am I the only one chasing him around, he complains. I want to play hockey. Steven comes up to me and goes, Dad, I go, how come I'm the only guy following around? Yes, the coach is Steven's father, Chris. Steven is five years old. The player he's been shadowing all game is P.K. Subban. P.K. is a year older and is way bigger than everyone, and he's just dominant, Chris remembers. He was
3: a forward at that time, so he's like twice as big as anybody else, and then he's just skating around doing what he wants. You know, it's a close game. I think they they end up winning 3-2, but like halfway through the game or after the second period, Steven comes up to me and goes, Dad, well, how come I'm the only guy following around? And then he's smart enough to figure out that no one else is doing it except him. <laughs>
2: Little Steven forgives Dad for that one. It's what happens 20 years later that Chris may never live down. Tampa, January 2013. We'll let Steven and Chris guide you through the story. Steven.
3: So there's one car dealership here that kinda hooked a couple guys up with cars and and one of the guys, and I I got one. Jaguar, um, dark blue color. Usually when my parents were in town, they would drive that car around town when, when they were here and driving to games and stuff like
2: that. This seems like a much better idea than a Ford Fiesta rental from Enterprise. So Stephen's parents are down for a few days and they drive the car to the game and park it in the lot they have for the families, players and executives. It's a terrific night. The lightning win, Stephen plays really well. They visit with him for a few minutes after and then leave the ring to head back to the home.
3: We start walking out with my wife and uh, another couple of uh, friends of ours. And I had to make a uh, little detour to the restroom. So I said, just meet me at the parking lot and I'll meet you there at the car. So I get to the car and uh, they're, they're in the car or standing beside the car. And I said, well, why don't you go inside? Because the keys are inside. So we went in the car, drive home. And it's about a 15, 20 minute ride from the arena. And so we get to Stevens uh, gated community that he lives in and I go to press the security button like the little clicker that they have and uh to open up the gate and when I looked at the visor the this the security button wasn't there and I'm going what the heck is it right so maybe he probably took it in the other car so I didn't think anything of it security lets us in we drive the car to the uh to his garage at the back of the house and then I look down on the console I see some sunglasses that are not mine and I see some other pieces of paper that are not mine and I go what the heck? And then I go, oh my God, I realized what happened, right? And then it hits him. This isn't Steven's car. Car, car!
2: Looks like the long-awaited sequel to Gone in 60 Seconds is finally here. Large popcorn, please. After the game, Steven is usually one of the last ones out of the room, so it's about an hour after and he goes and checks his phone and sees that he has a bunch of missed calls from Liz Sylvia, who is Steve Eiserman's right-hand woman.
3: Like, well, that's kind of weird. Why the hell would I have a missed call from her after the game at, whatever, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night?
2: So he calls her, and she says, Uh,
1: Steven, I think your dad stole Steve Eiserman's car.
2: Back at the house, Chris thinks, what have I done? He realizes it almost right away, because he knows that Eiserman has pretty much the identical car to Steven. So he's sitting up there in the garage saying, I just stole the GM of the Lightning's car. I mean... It could have been worse. It could have been, no, actually, the GM is the single worst person it could have been.
0: So
3: I immediately, you know, panic a little bit and not putting two and two, I called my dad. I'm like, hey, like, what the hell? Liz said you took Steve's car.
2: By the time Stephen calls Chris, he's already called Kevin, the security guard at the arena, and confessed his crime.
3: I go, Kev, it's Chris. And he goes, yeah, what can I do for you? Goes, I said, well, I think I took Eiserman's car by mistake. <laughs> I started laughing, right? So next thing you know, he calls Eiserman's uh, secretary, Liz. Liz calls Stephen. I get a call from Stephen. What the heck are you doing? Stephen Stamkos or Stephen Iserman? Stephen Stamkos. He goes, what the heck are you doing? Why would you take Eiserman's car? I explained the whole situation. I said, don't worry. I said, we're only 15 minutes away. Stephen's laughing now.
2: Well, it was a nice run in Tampa, but I guess I'm getting traded. Hockey has a long history of parents wanting to get their kids traded, but this is a novel approach. Chris heads
3: back to the arena with his friend Mario and says, Mario, I go, if we get stopped by the cops, we're toast. He goes, why? And I go, well, I don't have any ID on me. I don't, car's not in my name. I said, we're going to be thrown in jail.
2: This could have taken a whole Thelma and Louise turn here. I'm a little disappointed it didn't. Luckily, Chris makes it back and it turns out Eiserman has taken Steven's car home when he realized that Chris had taken his.
3: He waits for us at the front of the arena, we drop the car off and I go, Steve, sorry about that. He goes, ah, no problem. And I said, but I, uh, I got to tell you something. He goes, what? And I said, uh, on your directory, I started calling and made a few trades. <laughs> he started laughing and then we exchanged cars and that was it. So.
2: Stephen thinks the whole thing is hilarious now. After all, his dad's been his biggest supporter his whole life, so he's not really mad. I mean, it's an honest mistake. It was at night, the cars are pretty much identical, and in some ways, Stephen thinks it's a pretty proud moment for his dad. He gets to tell the story to all his buddies.
3: So my dad always jokes to this day that he, when he returned the car back to the parking lot Steve was there waiting that... He told Steve he made a few trades on on the drive home on the uh, the speed dial in the
2: car. And Chris still tells that story. It's one of the buddies who tells me about it. There's one postscript to this. That was the lockout-shortened year. The lightning were rolling until that night and then didn't end up making the playoffs. Chris Stamkos runs into Iserman again late in the
3: season. And Iserman says, Maybe he should have made those trades because I think they were 5-1. At the beginning, and then they didn't make the playoffs.
2: <laughs> Beauties is written by me, James Duffy, and produced by Christoph Mamona, with the support of TSN and Bell Media. The book Beauties is available wherever you get your books. I think you'll like it. And don't forget to listen to our after-show Rubber Beauties with the cast of the Rubber Boots podcast. You can find it where you find the Rubber Boots Pod.
1: They call them beauties, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They play that game their own way, cause they're beauties.